This morning we're actually looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer as printed on the front of your bulletin there. But just one line, one, one line for real. Look at a little bit more of it. Um, and I will introduce the topic here in a second, though you can take a look at what's bolded and probably figure it out. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and we thank you for all that you have given to us. God, we thank you for who you are, the ways that you have revealed yourself to us in creation, the ways that you have revealed yourself in Scripture, and the ways that you have revealed yourself in your Son. God, we ask that you would help us to pay attention to all the ways that you have revealed yourself, that we would know better who you are, that we would come to love and trust you more, and that by your word and by your spirit, you would work in us that miracle of new life. For we are transformed from just creatures into children. Those who come to look more and more like you, our Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when Jesus was teaching in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, right in the middle of that, he has three areas that he hits back to back where he says, make sure that when you are doing these things that you ought to be doing, that you're doing them in a certain way. And every single time, it's the same kind of thing. It's make sure you're not doing this in a way that... uh, just gets praise from other people, where they see what you're doing, and they're impressed. Because if you're just trying to impress other people, that you've missed the whole point. Christianity is not about impressing other people. He says, however, if you are doing these things because you generally, genuinely mean them, and you're actually doing these uh, for real, that's a whole different story. And so he talks about uh, giving to the needy. He says, you should be giving to the needy. But don't announce it with trumpets. Give in such a way that even your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. And then after a section on prayer, he talks about fasting. And he says, when you fast, make sure you're not doing that in such a way that it shows other people, hey, look, I'm fasting. Nobody cares. (laughs) But you should fast. And when you do, um, do that for real, where it's something between you and God. But right in between those two, he talks about one other thing. He talks about prayer. And this is, as, uh, as Christians, we certainly ought to be praying. But how should we be praying? So he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, 
Your father will not forgive your sins. So this is kind of his teaching on prayer right there in the middle of this whole sermon, in the middle of this uh, section of these three things that ought to be genuine. Prayer right there among them. It's the one he spends the most time on. It's the one he talks about in most detail. And right there in the middle of this prayer, we have this teaching on forgiveness. And in fact, it's the only one of all the things that he teaches us to pray about that he then comes back at the end of the prayer and says, just in case you missed it, let me remind you, that's kind of a big deal. And here's the thing with forgiveness. Let me get this quote right. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says, everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea. Did you hear that? Everyone says that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And then he says, to mention the subject at all is to be greeted with howls of anger. Hmm. Here's the strange thing about this. I think he's right, and I think we'll probably prove that this morning. Because for some of you, when I mention the topic of forgiveness, you don't immediately think of somebody that you need to forgive. And you will probably listen to this entire talk and think, what a lovely idea. And there are others of you where as soon as I mention the topic of forgiveness, you know immediately of somebody who you ought to forgive, and you don't want to. You don't think they deserve it. And you'll be very uncomfortable for most of this talk. And there will be a part of you that wants to howl with anger. So this ought to be fun. Jesus talks about forgiveness in the middle of this prayer. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is supposed to be a part of our prayer as genuine disciples. As people who are following Jesus for real, we're supposed to be praying for God to forgive us as we also forgive others. These are to go together. It's almost the same thing we see with um, with the greatest commandment. What's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And these two, these two seem to go together. Like you just can't even pull them apart because they're that closely related. That's what we see with the idea of forgiveness. That these are closely related. And so... At the end of the prayer, then he goes back to it and he says, For if you forgive people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And we see them linked again, twice, in that little section. That somehow our forgiving others is to be tied to our Heavenly Father forgiving us. Now, why in the world is this going to meet with howls of anger or as a lovely idea? It's because the idea of forgiveness hits on two things that we all have, that we all have been given by nature, and that is two desires. One is the desire for justice, a desire for justice to be done. And the other it is, a, is a desire for mercy. The problem is, thanks to our sinful nature, we generally get these twisted around. And so we say, if I've done something that deserves a reward, I'm going to demand justice. If somebody's treating me badly, I demand justice. On the other hand, if we've done something that deserves a punishment, we don't want to pay the punishment. 
suddenly justice doesn't seem like such a great idea. And we start saying, what about mercy? Let's talk more about mercy. And then we flip that around when we talk about other people. And so somebody else does something that deserves a reward, and we say, ah, I don't know if they really need that. Or somebody else does something that needs punishment, and we say, justice must be done. And so we flip it around. But we do have these desires, both for justice and mercy, and forgiveness is where they come together. Forgiveness, by the way, is not saying justice should not be done. It's not saying all mercy, no justice. It actually is something that brings these two together. Here's what I mean. If you've ever had somebody wrong you and then you decide you're going to forgive them and so the way you do it is you just say, it's no problem. You're lying. Because it is a problem, right? That's what the whole situation is. That's why there needs to be forgiveness is because there is a problem. However, what forgiveness is, is turning a problem into no problem. It's dealing with the problem. That's where the justice comes in. Let me explain it another way. Say you have a, uh, say you have a six-year-old. <laughs> Somebody who's really excited about uh, starting first grade. Up in the, in the big grades now. So excited that they wake up the first day of school before everybody else. They don't bother checking the clock. It's three in the morning. Who cares? They're really excited. And they decide, I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and get up. I'm going to get myself all ready. I'm going to go into the kitchen. I'm going to make breakfast. I'm going to make breakfast for me. I'm going to make it for everybody. That's a great idea. But they're still very small, and they can't reach the eggs on the top shelf of the refrigerator. No problem. They know how to climb. <laughs> Although they forgot that though they're still small, they're taller than they used to be, they're bigger than they used to be, they weigh more than they did last time they tried this. And so down come a few shelves of the refrigerator. And all the groceries spill out, several shelves spill out, the jars spill out, and all of it breaks on your beautiful but very hard tile floor. All right. <laughs> the scene is set. Now, as they see you, I mean, they know this is a problem. They know that there is something here that's going to need to be fixed. And they're afraid of how this might happen. <laughs> as they see you coming in, both worried, angered, confused, and still a little drowsy, what is going on as you try to make sense of the scene? The stuff on the floor is broken. Somebody is going to have to pay. Somebody has to pay. The six-year-old can start working it off and pay for all the things they broke. Rebuy the groceries, refix the refrigerator, all of it. Somebody still has to pay, though, in time, cleaning up the mess and the energy that it takes to get that fixed. And somebody has to pay in the relational energy. Because when everything comes crashing down, it's not just the groceries that are broken. But there's now a damaged relationship between parent and child, and what's going to happen with that? How does this get fixed? Or say you have a neighbor who borrows your lawnmower. 
and returns it broken. Sorry. But the reason I had to borrow yours is because I couldn't afford to fix mine. Now you've got a broken lawnmower and a broken relationship. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay. That is the demand for justice to be done. Somebody has to pay. But here's where we usually miss it. We usually think that the person who has to pay, the person who owes the debt, is the one who has to pay. What forgiveness is, is saying the person who is owed the debt can pay it on the debtor's behalf. They can pay. So if somebody owes you, you can pay on their behalf to restore the relationship. Sometimes that's financial. Sometimes it's just taking a hit to your pride or your ego. Sometimes it's not correcting a rumor. Taking the hit yourself. Paying for the one who owes you. This is forgiveness. Now, by the way, when I talk about paying the debt of somebody else, this is a little different. Maybe you've seen this happen. The uh, kind of random acts of kindness that happens at drive throughs sometimes, or toll booths, where someone will say, while they're paying for their food, whatever the person behind me owes, let me pay that too. That is fantastic. That's a great thing to do. That's not what we're talking about. Because while that is paying a debt that somebody else owes, it's paying a debt that somebody else owes to somebody else. And what we're talking about with forgiveness is paying the debt that's actually owed to you. This is what got Jesus in big trouble, by the way. Do you remember when he was, uh, the man was there in front of the paralyzed man, and Jesus looks at him, and a whole crowd around him, and Jesus says to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, and the religious leaders freak out. Because Jesus was implying that this man's sins were actually against Jesus. And they were looking at this like, you know, the drive through thing and saying, you can't pay for somebody, somebody owes somebody, somebody else. If it's not against you, that's not forgiveness. So we understand who Jesus is. And we understand that the reason why he could pay our debt is because our sin is against him. There's a story that we will cover in much greater detail later. Uh, later this fall, actually. But I want to read it to you. It is from Matthew chapter 18. When Peter comes up to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I love the way that he asks it that way. Because you almost hear him thinking, you know, I... I would say like two or three times, but it's Jesus I'm talking to. So I'm going to go all the way, like what, seven? Like seven times? Surely not that much. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Maybe you've heard 70 times seven. It says, therefore, and then he tells him the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. 
Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Which, if you understand how much he owes, it's not possible. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Who paid? Did anybody pay? Somebody paid. When the master cancels the debt, the master is the one paying. He's the one taking that financial hit. When he says, you do not have to pay me back, that means I eat it. So the master has paid for his debt. And he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. We have almost word for word what this guy just said to his master. And we're thinking as we follow along the story, ah, oh, this is such a great example of how the master has just done this for him and now he is going to do it for others. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Except that's not what happens. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured, tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. There's a word I hope you caught in there. The word outrage. Did you hear who was outraged? It was the fellow servants who saw what this guy did. Why would they be outraged? Because they get it. They get it. They saw how this guy was just treated by his master. And they understand that if this is how he's been treated, that's certainly how he ought to treat others. But he doesn't. Instead of acting in line with the forgiveness that he has received... He says, mercy for me and justice for everyone else. And they are outraged. This story, though, I think, helps us understand what it is that Jesus is talking about when he says uh, that if we do not, if you do not, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. These are so tied together. But... Once again, I'm back to this one. N.T. Wright, in The Lord and His Prayer, says, Failure to forgive one another wasn't a matter of failing to live up to a new bit of moral teaching. It was cutting off the branch you were sitting on. It's a very helpful way of putting this. This is what Jesus is talking about. We are Christians only because we have been forgiven. Forgiven a debt that we owed but couldn't pay. This is the branch that we are sitting on. And to say, yes, yes, forgiveness for me, but not for others, is saying no to forgiveness entirely. Now, So these two things were tied 
so closely together, our forgiveness of others and God's forgiveness of us. Can't find it, I'll quote it. Um, in Ephesians 4.32, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And it's because at the cross is where justice and mercy come together. The debt is paid, so justice is done. But it's not paid by the one who owes, it's paid by the one who who it's owed to. And there we have forgiveness. And because we have forgiveness, we are then commanded to forgive. And so here's where the howls of anger come in. The howls of anger come in when we say, but they don't deserve it. And you're probably right. But the question to go back to is, did we deserve it? Or you might say the howls of anger come because you say, but the cost is so high. I don't want to pay that for them. Which is probably true. But then we have to ask, how high was the cost that paid our debt? This topic is one that we either hear and say it's a lovely idea or we have howls of anger start welling up within us. I don't know where you are this morning, but I pray that wherever all of us are, that God would meet us where we are and take us where we need to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for the ways that you have been working in our lives. God, we thank you for your amazing love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. Usually we minimize what it is that we have been forgiven God, if it were a small matter, it would have taken a small price. God, we pray that you would help us. Help us as forgiven people to be forgiving people. That we be those who are actively working and sacrificing to make relationships right that have been broken. to tear down walls of separation that have been built up between us. God, we ask that you would help us not to try to do this on our own strength or in our own ways. That we do it all through the strength that you give us. We do it all in the way that you have prescribed for us. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.